visitors that are here this morning, welcome. My name is Donnie. I've got the privilege of leading this congregation with uh, great uh, men, elders that serve the Lord faithfully with me. So I've been away last week. Hopefully, Rudo mentioned why. I wasn't just uh, staying away, lying in bed. Uh, we went away. We do this twice a year as senior leaders, the different leaders of the different congregations. We go away. Um, two reasons last week. Two reasons. One is to align, to make sure that our hearts are still aligned and to be accountable to one another and to, to really pray and just sense uh, what the Lord is saying to us and, and to make sure that we are still uh, all aligned on the same track as to where the Lord has called us as a Every Nation Chwane Church to be. And so from that, it brings me to my topic of this week. The topic of this week is you will never walk alone. Any Liverpool supporters here? We will not be preaching about idols, sorry. But we will be preaching about walking, not walking alone. In actual fact, this is a word that is not just dear to me personally. I've shared my history of, of, of you know, when I grew up. Um, but more so, we received, as an eldership, we received the prophetic word a few weeks ago from our prophetic team. Uh, and in this word, they saw a picture. Uh, they explained it. It was like a Lego picture. But there was pieces missing. You could see what it should look like, but because of the, the pieces missing, this picture, this, this model wasn't what it was supposed to be. And so they, they continued to say, the missing pieces is not ideologies or, or money uh, or these things. It is actual people missing. Um, people whose hearts are aligned with the Lord, but who are not part of family. And so that is what I will be preaching into this morning is maybe, maybe just maybe, that is you this morning. I want to show you this, um, this portrait quickly. This is a painting for those of you that are painting lovers, you would know more about this painting than I would. It is called Chess Mate. Uh, it used to hang in the, the museum, the Louvre Museum in Paris, before it was sold to a, a private collector in 1999. And so if you look at this picture, you will see the devil on the one side and a man who looks totally defeated on the other side. Now, legend has it, um, actually you can say it's fact, I don't know, it's been debated, that a chess grandmaster once visited the Louvre Museum and he came across this painting. And he stood there for hours just looking at this painting. Now remember the painting's name is Chessmate. Right? It means there's no more moves left. And looking, engaging at this picture, it means looking at who looks defeated, that it's, it actually looks like the devil has won. And so this grandmaster was looking at this painting for hours and then saw something very interesting. You see, typically, the interpretation was that the devil has won this game. But that was wrong. And so as this grandmaster looked at this and he looked at the different pieces on this chessboard and how it was arranged, he saw that there was one move left. And so he called the curator of the museum close and he said to him, Sir, you will either have to do two things. One is change the name of this painting or repaint the painting. 
And so the curator, obviously a bit bewildered, do you understand, you know, the value and everything that is attached to this? But the man stood back and he said, sir, I am a grandmaster, chess world champion. And so when you look at these pieces, obviously it looks like the devil has won. But if you look closely and you understand the game, you will see that the man has one move left. The king has got one move. And when the man takes this move, he will win the game. You see, and everybody that walked past this painting for years and years looked at the name, and that was what they were fixed on and didn't look at the rest of this painting. And so similarly, that is the way we approach Christianity. We look at one area, a very important area, my and our personal walk with the Lord. And we believe that that is the full picture God has for His bride. If you study the New Testament, you will see that there's no real reference made of Christianity being expressed as an individualistic expression. It is always expressed in family, in a community of believers. When people came to faith, what did God do? He added them to family. Why? Why did God add us to family? Why did God add you to this family? Because we were not created to walk the Christian walk alone. We were not created to follow God alone. The Christian life is always expressed in community. And so when the devil looked at what was happening on this chessboard, he put in all his effort and everything he had to make this man on the other side believe that he has lost the game. And he actually got it right. And so if the duty, the role of the church is to portray Jesus to the world, and so in so doing, draw men onto him, then he will try everything in his power to bring division in the church. He will try anything and everything in his power to, for, uh, to make us believe that it's okay to walk alone, because in doing so, he has weakened the bride. In doing so, he is helping a world see a broken picture of what God intended the bride to look like. And so this morning, when we open the word, I want you to remember this painting, but also the prophetic word that we received as a church. And can I say just before we open the word, this once was me. I was okay to be on my own. But can I also say to you, I had to come to a place where I had to repent and understand what the value is of God placing us in family. And so we're going to look at a church this morning from the, from the Bible. A church that allowed the devil to steal. And in doing so, brought about division. We're going to look at the, the church in Corinth. So you can open your Bibles with me. We're going to go to um, Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 12. But before we read, let me just give you some context. So obviously... This was the largest of all the churches in the New Testament. Lots of gifts and many things, great things happening in this church. But they also faced a lot of challenges 
in being and doing church in a community, and listen to this, in a society that tried to undermine, subtly undermine what they were doing, that did not agree with their Christian worldview. Sounds similar to what we as church as a whole are experiencing in the world. So the, the, the church in Corinthians found themselves more or less, which is not uh, the common thing to the time there, but in a postmodern environment. Now, postmodernism says the following there is no such thing as absolute truth, everything is relative. Again, that's the time and day and age that we live in. And so, what I believe is true is true. So, the individual's things, beliefs, decisions is more important. The individual's well being is more important than the community collective, as long as the individual is okay. Economics, personal fame, prosperity were some of the most important barometers to, to gauge success in community. Again, very similar to what we see just in the world today. And so if you study chapters 1 to 3, you will see how the devil got it right to bring division in this church. And so if it can happen to a group of believers in a postmodern environment, then so much more this, this morning is a warning to church and specifically to us as a church that this too can happen to us. And so Paul addresses this issue and he gives four principles, the antidote, the solution to overcome what he has seen in the church. And this is where we're going to start reading. We're going to read from 1 Corinthians 12. We're going to read from verses 12. And so Paul is going to give us just four principles that I want to just highlight this morning. It's a familiar piece, the body of Christ. I'm going to read from just verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. So in this just first verse, we see two principles. First being variety. Variety. Many parts. If you actually study and you read a bit just before verse 12, you will see the many gifts that were given. And it says it's the Spirit that gives. Many gifts, many parts, variety. Now just imagine, every Christmas, you get the same theme for it, socks and underwear. I would be so looking forward to Christmas. Socks and underwear, socks and underwear. There is variety. And when God created, He created with variety. Different trees, different mountains. Some places there are mountains, some not. Any Harida lovers out here? Just imagine a world just filled with Haridas. We would be a Harida-hated church. God portrayed His majesty, His greatness, just His awesomeness in the variety that He created with. And so in looking at His bride, he gave many parts, many roles, many gifts to one portray his majesty, his greatness. But it also says for the common good, for us to benefit from. It is God 
that gives the different gifts, the different roles, the different responsibilities. It is Him that puts it together for the benefit of us and the body. In a world, listen to this, where variety creates fear, creates resentment, creates jealousy. So if the church is to be the picture to a broken world, how much more should we get it right to celebrate variety? You see, the gifts, the health of the body, the, the healthy functioning of this metaphor, the body, is found when we encourage and exercise all the gifts. And it says in the word, the gifts were given to edify the body, not self. Many parts, let us celebrate, first principle, variety in our midst. The second one is also found in verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many, are one body. The second principle that Paul is giving about this portrait of church, the bride of Christ, is variety, but also unity. Unity balances out variety. Without unity, you know, we will go on to this trip where, hey, you know, God has made me so magnificent. I'm unique. And so we again, we will find a body that is not functioning the way it should. It becomes all about me and the gifts I have. And I run out wild out there, forgetting about the unity and why the gifts and the roles and the responsibilities were given to edify the body. You are not the body of Christ. As believers, collectively, we are the body of Christ. I want to use an example um, and I'm doing this with, obviously, um, with a lot of empathy to somebody that struggles with multiple sclerosis, where your body parts will make certain movements without you actually wanting it to make certain movements. You know, a hand would just start doing this or a head would do this. And so that is how the body of Christ looks like. When we start focusing on self, and not the functioning of the whole body. Jesus is the head. He is the one that instructs. He is the one that gives direction. He is the one that ministers onto his body. And he does so through the Holy Spirit. Which again, if we use the metaphor, the body would be the nervous system. And so if you've seen a long distance world class runner run. And you see just, it just looks majest majestically. It's like when I run. Ask uh, Marius, he runs with me. No, I don't look that good. But it, it looks like everything is just flowing. That is how the body of Christ is supposed to look. You see, God uses, Jesus uses just the differences, the uniqueness for his purpose, not ours. And so where we need to celebrate as a body of Christ Variety, we need to emphasize unity. This variety is for unity. We need to emphasize the unity part. 
I continue reading from verse 13. For in the one spirit, we were all baptized unto the body, Jews and Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body, body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not the hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not the eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. Can I just pause there? See, when we look just at the body of Christ, as I said, variety. We need to understand by just reading this, we were all created to be equal in position, but not equal in responsibility. But responsibility does not define your worth in the body. When God created, He created us all to be equal in position. Sons and daughters, but not equal in responsibility. Yes, so some of us would have maybe more responsibility, a husband and a wife, equal in position, but not equal in responsibility. Verse 17, if the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? Just imagine your big toe in front of your head. You would need a tow truck to get it away. That's a bad, bad joke. I don't know if Fred likes that. But as it is, God arranges the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. And this brings us to our third principle, equality. There is no such thing that one individual is worthless or useless in God's portrait. We are not supposed to, to edify one gift above another one. You see, the body starts to look ill when we do edify one gift or one gifted person onto a pedestal. It's never God's intent. Jesus is the head. And as a body that he puts together, in his sight, we are all seen as equal in position. Now, let me try and explain this to you. Just imagine a Sunday, me trying to preach to you without the sound guys there at the back. It would not benefit you, and it would definitely not benefit my voice. You are not worthless in the sight of the King of Kings. You need to hear that this morning. What you have been gifted with is unique, and the body needs it to function. And the body of Christ needs it to be an answer to a broken world. Do not let the devil tell you otherwise. You are unique in the sight of the King of Kings. You are counted as blessed fearfully and wonderfully made in His sight. We are all equal in His sight. Jesus did not just die for some, but for all. We need to celebrate variety. We need to emphasize, what was the second one? 
unity. And we need to maximize, you need to hear this, equality. We need to maximize it. Everybody in this hall this morning is part of the family, all equal in position. All equal in position. Verse 21, the eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head of, um, to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seems to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, given greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division, listen to this, in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. For one member suffers, all suffer. Have you ever hit your thumb when you hold it a nail? I have. And unfortunately, my daughter was standing next to me, and she laughed. But when you hit your finger, your whole body reacts. It's not just the finger. Oh, I hit my finger. Oh, if one suffers, the whole body suffers. Just think of the past two years. If one member suffers, we all suffer. But that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoices together. Verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. Principle number four. No one can say that you do not need other people. I do not have to go to church. I have physically heard somebody say this to me this year. I do not need to go to church. I can watch it online can watch it on television, you know, on my cell phone. Uh, I do not need to go to church. I can get all the on information online. But here's the thing. Church is more than just about information and truth. It is also about your transformation that you get from accountability in walking with other people. It is like saying, when we say, I don't need the body of Christ. I'm okay on my own. It is literally saying God made a mistake when he added me to family. Go and read the New Testament. Everywhere where somebody came to faith, Acts 2, I think verse 45, 36 to 45, it actually says Peter stood up, he spoke. Many came to faith, and then it says, and they were added to family. This is God's design for his portrait, for his painting. This is what he wants his bride to look like. We need one another. God did not create us to be independent, but to be interdependent. Just think quickly about our faith. What is it that we believe in? What is the gospel? What is our faith based on? This exact point. Where man needed a savior, we could not save ourselves. Daily, I cannot save myself. I need a Savior. I am dependent on God. 
I'm not independent. And so God made a plan. It is not by my acts and my deeds that I am saved, but by His. Me believing it with my heart and confessing it with my mouth communicates I am dependent. I'm not made to be independent. We need to celebrate. Rioting. We need to emphasize. We need to maximize. And we need to minimize self-sufficiency. Whom of you have done the parent course in this church? Raise high, I want to see. You have done the parent course in this church. Whom of you have done the premarital course in this church? It is thanks to people like Johan and Rihanna sitting here, Johan and Karini Rasmus, Chris and Angelique, Banner and Leone. These are the people that are helping us make sure that our marriages are built upon the Word of God. Without them, this body would suffer. And so we want to honor you. You know, when you're answering there at the back, he always just comes in, he sits there at the back. I need that man in my life. When he sees me, he does the following. And I'll say it in Afrikaans and then I'll translate it. Donnie, you can't admit Donnie. He looks past all these things and he asks me, how's it going with Donnie? And he points at me. I need that. We were not created to walk alone. We were paid for by the blood of Jesus and placed in family. The world we live in struggle with variety, unity, and equality. But they major on self-sufficiency. And so if the church is the portrait of the living God, how much more should we make this a priority that we align with God's will for His body? Because in doing so, we will draw people onto Christ. So how do we react and respond to this word? I want to illustrate it by the following. You need to remain in the body. So this is a uno, different type of uno. You need to remain in the body because if we start to take out certain parts, the body becomes weaker. So you being in the body makes the body stronger. You staying away from the body does what? It makes the body weaker. Can you see that there's a picture? Can you see that there's certain parts missing? And can you see by those parts missing that that structure is actually weaker? You remaining in the body makes us stronger. You remaining in the body makes us stronger. It's to the benefit of the body. But you remaining in the body is to the benefit of you. It is to the benefit of you. Last Sunday, we had a baptism in the morning. And I want to use this as an example. 
There was an elderly man that was baptized. Um, Gerard, is he here this morning? Not. And so after he came out of the water, Jock Creek went up to him and he gave him a word, a prophetic word. And by the reaction of Um, Gerard, you could see just how much this word meant to him. Now just imagine, Jock wasn't at church that day. Just imagine, Jock felt, who am I to go and give a word to a man that is much older than I am? But he understood something about family. He understood. And because of that, the family is stronger and the individual benefited. And so when the body comes together and it functions the way that we see it should function here in chapter 12 in Corinthians, we see a healthy body that portrays Jesus to a broken world and that will draw men women and man, onto the Savior. I want to conclude with this just example that we find in Mark 14. I'm not going to read it. Mark 14, verses 32 to 36, we see three things. We see the example of Jesus Christ in His darkest, most terrible time as man on earth. When He goes to the Garden of Gethsemane to pray, what does He do? He takes His 12 disciples with Him. Jesus walked in community. And then he takes three of his close friends with him. Read there. It actually says how he shares his deepest fears and emotions with these three. Jesus walked in accountability. He was raw in front of three men. He walked in community and he walked in accountability. And then he left the three and he went on his own and he prayed, Abba, Father. He walked with the Father. How much more should we then imitate this example? Walking in community, walking in accountability, and walking with the Father. You see, Christianity is not just about focusing on my walk with Christ. That is important. But it's also about walking in community and in accountability. And so that is why we have connect groups. That is why we say, do not neglect the gathering of the saints. It is not a rule. It is part of being a picture of what God wants to portray to a broken world. So here's the question. Where do you find yourself this morning? When you look at the painting... Do you stop and only focus on the name? Or do you value the whole painting? Do you understand this morning that you are part of making this painting, Linwood, complete? And not just for you, and not just for us, but also for a broken world. Or are you allowing the devil to tell you that you are okay on your own? imagine that grand chess master standing next to the man in the painting and showing him that he actually had one move left. That the king had one move left. Just imagine the difference in the weight, the emotion, and the facial expression this man in the painting would have had.
it in families. Where we are safe. It is in family where we are ministered unto. But it's also in family that we minister to 